Uh, when, I was, when I was growing up and in the church, when I felt called to ministry, my pastor would always say to me, preach Christ and Christ crucified. And what he mean by that is preach his life and his death and resurrection too. Preach all of the gospel, amen? Don't pick a little bit. Don't pick your favorite bit. Pick the whole thing. Preach Christ and preach Christ crucified and preach Christ resurrected, amen? Preach the whole gospel. Can someone say amen? Man, it's good to be in a church that loves the whole thing. I don't know about you, but I, I love the whole thing. It's all good. The hard bits are good for me, hallelujah. The kind bits are good to me, hallelujah. But the whole lot's good, amen. It's good for me, it's good for you, it's good for our church, it's good for our community, it's good for our cities, it's good for our state. I just love that everywhere Eternity Church goes, the whole gospel goes with it, amen. The whole gospel being preached in Audubon, amen. The whole gospel being preached in Owine, amen. The whole gospel being preached in every home that watches online. Can someone say amen? Christ and Christ crucified. Man, I am thrilled to preach today. Sometimes my sermon prep takes an entire 16 hours. All day Wednesday, all day Thursday. Sometimes it's a bit of Wednesday and all of Thursday. And sometimes... I get to the end of the week and I haven't done anything. And it's been a long time since that's happened. And yesterday, yesterday morning, I sat down at a cafe to write my message. It was 9.30. I had allotted till 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock to do it. And by 11.15, it was done. And I was like, I knew what I was going to preach on the whole time. I had some thoughts. I'd read the scriptures, all of them. But I hadn't put pen to paper. And I'm telling you right now, when I sit down and the Holy Ghost just takes over my fingers <laughs> and we just start typing that thing out and it comes out that quick, you know it's going to be a good weekend. And so uh, we had a good time last night. Um, and, and, and I'm not the guy who says a good time, meaning everybody left and they were like, oh. But I mean a good time as in it was good for our church. It'll be good for you today too. Can someone say Amen. I know some people are watching in Audubon. I just wanted to say I love you guys and um, been a few months together now and I just love you guys and I love what God is doing in your city um, and I love that God can move because, um, you know, a screen, it's all right. It's not about me. It's about the togetherness and it's about the message. Amen. I was talking to somebody who had heart surgery a little while ago and they were talking about how grateful they are that our church invested in online. I tell you, that's why we do online too, you know? So when you're in hospital, you can still be with your family, so to speak. Being in the room is way better, amen? But when you're, when you're in hospital, when you're sick and something's going on in your life or you're traveling and you still get to stay up to date with what's going on in your church, isn't that awesome? And so anyway. But anyway, I just wanted to tell you today, Y'all brace yourself, because we're going to go hard and fast, and then um, and we're going to land on a pillow. And so, all right, so y'all ready for it? Yeah, I'm not, not going to build the pillow first. I'm going to build that afterwards. So we'll crash the plane and get a pillow. So, all right, so we're going to um, Genesis 13. So we've been in our Genesis sermon series, uh, walking through Genesis for some time now, and uh, um, 
It was about five weeks ago we preached the last sermon from this series. Uh, we had Love Month. And so now we're picking up in Genesis 13. So if you've got your Bibles or your phone Bibles, whatever it is, uh, feel free to follow along with me. Uh, verse 1. So Abram went from Egypt, uh, he and his wife, and all that he had, uh, and Lot was with him, and he went into the Negev. Now Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold, and he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been in the beginning between Bethel and Ai. <clears throat> to the place where he had made an altar at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife beginning between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And at that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were also in the land. So then Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. In, uh, is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left, I'll go to the right. If you take the right, then I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and he saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered, everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, in the direction of Zor. Uh, this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself old the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east, thus they separated from each other. And Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. And now the men of Sodom were wicked and great sinners against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, to the north and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring, and I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring could be counted too. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Come on, church, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Abram, the father of the faith. In Hebrews, even called a hero of the faith. Lord God, we thank you for him, but we thank you also that he was a man just like us. And that as we study him, as we read about him, as we, as we read through Genesis, Lord God, that we can begin to see your plans and your purposes for mankind. God, we get to see that he was a man just like us and did some stupid things just like we do. And that yet still you stuck by him and your plans for his life didn't change. Lord God, we get to see how you respond to us Lord God, and so I pray today that as we go through Genesis 13, Lord God, that you would help us to learn from his mistakes and help us to learn from his wisdom too. God, that we would all leave this place knowing a little bit more about you and a desire to follow you more closely, I pray. So God, we just commit the next 40 so minutes to you and ask for your Holy Spirit to move in this place as we do. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. 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 Come on, high five three of your neighbors and tell them to get ready to take their seats, but don't take them far because we need them here. All right. All righty. So like I said, it's been five weeks since we've been in Genesis. Last time we saw Abram, 
Um, he was on the run, hightailing it out of Egypt, Pharaoh's men chasing behind, probably sitting silently in a chariot, wondering when his wife's going to stab him uh, and let him have it for what he did to her in Egypt, right? Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch um, the last couple of messages on YouTube or wherever about, um, about Abram and, uh, and what he did to his wife. And I'll recap that in a minute anyway. Um, so the question I wanted to ask today and figure out is, uh, why is he leaving Egypt? Why was he even in Egypt? And where is he going and what is he doing, right? And uh, the answer is he's leaving Egypt because he lied to Pharaoh about who his wife was. When Abram arrived in Egypt, um, he, uh, he told everybody, she is my sister, um, and that... Um, and, and, and because she was so beautiful and he didn't want people to kill him to take his wife, right? Um, and uh, most historians who have read all through the Word of God and all the writings, uh, para-Bible writings as well, uh, uh, you know, extra-biblical writings as well, they say that Sarah was probably, or Sarai, sorry, was probably the, um, the most attractive woman, uh, probably top 10 most attractive women in world history. And so that... Uh, that was scary for Abram as he went into Egypt. So he said, she's my sister. Um, and he said that in the hopes that they would deal kindly with him, feed him, look after him because of his gorgeous sister. So what happens is Pharaoh sees her. Uh, Pharaoh takes her as his wife, uh, not knowing that she was already married to Abram. And then Pharaoh and Pharaoh's people give Abram cattle and servants treasure, food, all sorts of things. Uh, so Abram quite literally prostituted his wife out, and in return he was paid very handsomely uh, for his sin. And, um, and who knows, people say um, that sin don't pay, and uh, sin does pay, <clears throat> okay? Uh, sin can pay very, very well, but at some point it stops paying, and all you're left with is the punishment, right? And, um, and so he, uh, it paid him well. Um, and we see an amazing story of what happens when men do not take responsibility for their families and for their lives and when they don't do the job that God has called men to do. It's an amazing story of what happens when men neglect the position that God gave them um, and, uh, and, and even a greater warning about what happens when men abuse the power that they have and when you have twice the upper body strength um, and, a, and, 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 and things like that, and what is it, 10 times the applied body strength, um, when you abuse those positions, really bad things happen. And so this story is a great example of what weak men do. Um, it's a great example of the chaos that comes when masculinity is absent from a family. Um, when men lose track of who they are and who they're called to be, their families pay a really dear price. Um, and that's true for society as well. Um, it's not just true in the family. In society, when men forget who they are and what they're called to be and how God designed them, well, then society pays a very heavy price. Uh, recently, I watched a Netflix special that perhaps I should not have watched, but um, I heard a comedian <clears throat> say something really harsh but ironically true. Um, he said that you can tell how good a neighborhood is based on who's not at work in the middle of the day. Um, what he said was that if you go into a neighborhood and there's a lot of women riding bikes or standing by their bikes, wearing joggers, gathered together, talking on the sidewalk in the middle of the day, you know this is a nice place to live. 
right? Come on now. Now, it's not that women can't work, shouldn't work, or won't work. But when you see them all gathered together on the side of the road, you're like, this must be a nice place to live, he went on to say. But if you roll into another neighborhood and in the middle of the workday, there are a bunch of men standing by their bikes on the corner of the road with their friends uh, right by their BMXs, you know I'm probably not in a good neighborhood, right? And uh, it doesn't mean women can't work. It doesn't mean women shouldn't work. It doesn't mean women won't work. But it just means that where more men work, come on now, society is better. <clears throat> and where more men don't work, society struggles. And you see that all the time. Where men have idle hands and idle time, bad things happen. If you roll into a neighborhood where there are a majority of single mother families, you probably rolled into a place of violence, low graduation rates, and high crime. Why? Because where men forget their role, society pays a really high price. It's not that women have not done a good job, aren't doing a great job, or aren't trying to do a good job in those situations, but it's not supposed to be that way. Right? And, uh, and, and it's not fair that that burden has landed on their shoulders. The statistics are we have over 80% of elementary school teachers are women. Over 65% of middle school teachers are women. And if the kids are fortunate enough to make it to high school, between 58 and 60% of those teachers are women also. You add to that that the United States has the world's highest rate of single parent families. Did you know that? No, no, that, and that, that's not in the developed world, that's in the entire world, right? On planet Earth, the United States has the world's highest rates of single-parent families, and of those single-parent families, 80% of them are single mothers. So it would seem to me that the problem in America is not too much masculinity, but not enough masculinity, and not put in the places where it is supposed to be. And where there's a lack of traditional, biblical, godly masculinity, come on, society pays a very heavy price. That's why all this weird confusion, that's why all this stuff is going on in America, that's why we are leading the way in ungodliness, because we led the way in the breakup of the family. We wonder why we have such rising crime problems, so many abortions, they're ungodly, but we wonder why. This is why. Because men stop doing their job. So much confusion around gender, so much confusion around sexuality, so many weak and woke pastors even, so many men that don't know how to change a tire because the men that were supposed to teach them have just neglected their responsibility to teach young men how to use that God-given strength for a God-given purpose, amen? It is not to boss everybody around, but to lead well and to protect well and to provide well. Can I get an amen? We wonder why so many girls would rather date another girl than a man, because she ain't ever seen the value of having a good man in her life. Come on now, right? Or perhaps that some of these young ladies go to school and they're told that their dad who is in their life and does provide and does protect, they're told that that version of masculinity 
is toxic. And we wonder why so many young people want to embrace things like socialism, which are ungodly and have never worked anywhere. And we're so arrogant to think that I know it killed millions there, and I know it killed millions there, and I know it killed another few million there, but we are better than them, and we will figure it out, and we will do it perfectly. No, you won't. You'll just kill another few million people, and then we'll have to start again at the other end. That's what will happen, right? But listen to me. We wonder why people want that when they, they grow up in families without dads, but they see men in other places gathering and, 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 and making all the money, but they and their single mom don't have any. We wonder why they want another system. It's dad's fault. Come on now. It's dad's fault. Of course they want to find another way to get some coin. Why is America in the pooper right now? Because dads quit doing their jobs. Because dads want to have sex and walk away like sex don't come with any responsibility. Like it doesn't come with any strings attached. It's because dads quit on their families. Because dads found out that abortion, see, we want to blame women for abortions. Look, I blame everyone involved for it. Don't do it. If you did it, hey, I don't want to shame you for yesterday, but let's make better decisions tomorrow. That's a baby. Go watch my sermon on abortion about the value of God in a, in a little being in your womb. Come on now, go read that. But listen, it wasn't just women who found out they can have sex now and not pay the price, men did too. And so now they roll around from woman to woman to woman to woman. Come on now. Dads, that's not how it works. We've got dads who quit on their families. And again, I'm not here to make you feel bad for yesterday, but to tell you, don't do that again. If you've got another family now, if you got remarried now, thank God for the blessing in your life, but let's do it better now. No more of this no-fault divorce. Come on now. Let's do it better now. Someone say Amen. Yes, the world is telling men that we don't need you, that men have no role to play, that our strength is no longer required, that we can farm out our protection to the police. Come on now, that your position has been filled. But since when did we need the world's permission to act like men? <clears throat> since when did we need the world's permission to do the right thing? Since when did we need the world's permission, come on, to fulfill the call of God on our lives? You want to help America? You want to help America? Get your butt back into your family and stay there. Stay there for better or for worse. You're a single, any single men in the room? Then, and you want to help America? Then stop looking for only childless mothers and maybe marry a single mom. Give some young man a dad to look up to. Come on now. Raise that kid. You want to help America? Raise your kids and stop delegating the job to Netflix and YouTube. Come on now. You want to help America? Like Connor said last week, please discipline your children. Please teach them how to be respectful. Someone say amen. You want to help America? Teach your kids that right is better than popular. That there's right and wrong. It's not popular and wrong. Come on now. You want to help America? Stop getting drunk. Show your kids some self-control. You want to help America? Stop looking at porn and grab your wife's booty as she walks past instead. Come on now. Show your kids that there's still some romance in this marriage. It ain't about whether she looks 18 anymore. It's about the love you got in your heart for that woman. Can someone say amen? You want to help America? Be a freaking man and do your job. 
Come on, man. <laughs> nah, you want to help America? Because no law and no president and no political party and no congressman can fix this if the men won't do their jobs. No matter who you vote for, doesn't matter, come on now, doesn't matter who wins an election, what matters is will the men get back in their jobs? So anyway, that's where Abraham was at. <laughs> Abraham's at like, well, I done messed up in here. I did not take responsibility to protect my wife. Instead, I used her and prostituted her to become rich. He did what made him happy instead of what made him holy. And guess what? When you do unholy things in an effort to be happy, your happiness eventually subsides, but you're left with the unholiness and the despair. While Abram's happiness soon disappeared as the consequences began to unfold in his life, and all he was left with was desperation and fear as he was chased out of the country that he ran into. That's the sickness, that's the diagnosis. So now what do we do, right? And perhaps you're here and you feel a little bit like Abram. Perhaps because you messed up, perhaps because you didn't do your job as a man or as a woman, perhaps because you haven't taken godliness serious in your life, perhaps because of uh, habitual sins or mistakes in your life, perhaps because of that you feel like Abraham running out of a country, Pharaoh chasing you behind, waiting for all the bricks to land on your shoulders. Perhaps you feel like that. Or perhaps just because this world is crazy, you feel lost. Maybe you feel useless since the world has told you that there are no genders anymore, that gender doesn't matter, that it's this, it's that. Listen, we wonder why people feel lost, people feel like they have no purpose when their entire gender has been made mute, that being a woman is nothing special. It's just a costume. You throw on some drag and some lipstick, you're a woman now. We wonder why we've got people that are like women that are depressed and don't know how to be a woman anymore when we've got the president's wife giving uh, the Courageous Woman of the Year award to a man who is dressed up as a woman. And we wonder why people feel lost and people feel despair. We wonder why men feel lost and despair when we live in a society that tells them that, 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 that manliness is not required, that, that, that gender has nothing to do with who you are. Listen to me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and after a little while, it goes on to say, and God said, let us make mankind in our image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. He created them in his image. It says, in the image of God, three times, and it bookends male and female, and I love that it says that, because your maleness and your femaleness is bookended by the Imago Dei, the image of God in your life. Come on now. Listen, you cannot be wholly defined by your gender. Someone say amen. But listen, you cannot wholly be defined without your gender. Someone say amen. Such an important and crucial part of who you are, and the world has told you it means nothing. Well, perhaps you feel useless, feel like you have no purpose. Maybe you feel the weight of your mistakes, the weight of sin resting so heavily on your shoulders. Abram felt that weight. Maybe you feel it too. Today, I want to help you figure out how to get back to where you were. To Abram's credit, he did go to Egypt because of a famine. So I imagine he went there to lead his family to a place where there was food and safety. To his discredit, he did not ask God what to do. He just went on and did his own thing. And those plans to bless his family actually ended up tearing it apart and hurted, hurt him and hurt them. In my notes say hurted. I don't think that's a word. 
No, it's not. So I just wonder, are you carrying a similar weight today? Do you feel empty? Do you feel worthless? I want to remind you that God's grace is unending. Like I said before, we preach a high truth and a high standard and we hold up the word of God, not to make you feel bad about what you did yesterday, but to help you make a better decision today and tomorrow. Can I get an amen, right? Hey, like there's people in this room who have done so many ungodly things. There's one on stage. Must be me, <clears throat> right? But listen, but listen, we're not here to make you feel bad about that, but to say, hey, how now shall we live? What will we do today? What will we do tomorrow? How can we better honor God with our lives moving forward, amen? See, God's grace is a beautiful thing. God's grace is not there so that I can continue to willfully go the same direction that I've been going and just keep pursuing sin and ungodliness in my life. But, but God's grace is there to create the time and the space that I need to partner with God to see transformation in my life, amen? I wanna remind you that if you're here today, there's still time and there's still grace. You can do better. You can move forward. Amen. Now, for Abram, that way back was he went back to where it all started. It does not say he went back to where he came from. He went back to where it started. He went back to the place where he built those altars that we talked about a couple of months ago. Remember, we talked about how Abram had created a, a, a habit of building altars altars, of lifting up the name of God, of declaring that Yahweh is the one and only God. He desecrated un, unholy, sort of ungodly altars by, by lifting up the name of Yahweh in those places. And I want to encourage you to do like Abraham and go back and do what you did at first. Do what you did at first, amen? If you feel that weight, if you're feeling broken, uh, remember at the start where you wanted to overcome sin in your life. Remember at the start where you wanted to have victory in your life. Remember at the start where you wanted your life to be better. Remember at the start where you loved God and loved his house, amen? Abram went back to Bethel where he built altars and he called upon the name of the Lord. He went back to worship. He went back to lifting up the name of the Lord. He went back to inquiring and asking of God. My question to those who feel dry, who feel weary, who feel the weight, who feel lost, who feel useless, listen to me, do you still love to worship God? Or is that something you tolerate to get to the sermon on the weekend? <clears throat> do you still lift up the name of Jesus? Or is that something that you leave for me to do now on the weekend? Do you still pray about the big things and the small things in your life like you did at first? Or, do you, or are you just waiting for a burning bush experience now? Do you still love God? Or do you just love what God's done for you now? Listen, do you feel dry? Do you feel broken? Do you feel weary? Do you feel useless? Do you feel like you have no purpose? Listen, we can't blame the world we can't blame culture. We need to take responsibility for our feelings and the state of our soul and the state of our hearts and go back and do what we did at first, amen? Yes, you can point out what's wrong with culture, but work on what's wrong with you. Yes, you can tell politicians that they're messing up and they are messing up, but let's work on what's wrong in my heart. Yes, you can look broadly and know that what they are doing is ruining young people and ruining young families and destroying society, but let's work on what's happening in our lives too, amen? Because in our lives, we have the answer. 
We need to get fired up again. We need to get passionate about our faith again. We need to get passionate about His presence again. Come on now, we need to go and do what we used to do again. Amen? You go to Revelation and chapter 2, it talks about a church like ours. If I could pivot for just a moment. Revelations, uh, Re- Revelations, Revelation chapter 2. Um, <clears throat> this scripture is Jesus talking to a church like Eternity Church, okay? I'm not saying that we all have the problem, he points out, but I'm saying it's a warning to churches like ours. Are you ready for this? Jesus said to the angel of the church uh, in Ephesus, write the words of him. The angel there, it's not literally talking about an angel. It's talking about the, the overseer, the pastor, right? The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, I know your toil, I know your patient endurance. Don't you just, I love that part there. And I want to tell you right now that God knows your works, he knows your toil, and he knows your patient endurance. Come on now. He knows you've stood firm, he knows you've stood up, and he's proud of you, and he's thankful for it, and he wants you to know, hey, 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 I see you. I see you. That right there is beautiful, right? Hey, I see you, amen? And then he goes on to say, and I know that you cannot bear with those who are evil, all right? And and you have tested those who call themselves apostles but are not, and you have found them to be false. And and I can see him saying that to to, to you guys. Like, you have tested it. You you, you can't tolerate evil, and and, and I see you, and and I'm grateful for you. He goes on and says, I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. You have not grown weary in that. But I do have this one thing against you. You have abandoned the love that you had at first. So remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the things you did at first. Repent. And do the things you did at first. For many of us in the room today, we may look at Abram and be like, well, I'm not like that. Come on now. Like, I, I'm not, I don't steal. I don't cheat on my taxes. I definitely didn't prostitute my wife out. Amen. Good job. I don't commit adultery. I'm not looking at things I shouldn't be. I used to, I don't now. I'm not lying. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not the other thing. I stayed in my family through the hard times. I'm a good provider. I'm a good husband. I'm a good wife. And, and I'm, or, or, or I'm single and I'm handling singleness like a righteous, holy professional. I got this. I'm preaching truth. I'm calling out falsehood in our world. I'm doing it right. I've got purpose. And that's great. And that's great. But the question is, do you still love the one who helped you overcome that sin? Do do, do you still love the purpose giver more than the purpose that he gave you? Come on now. Do do, Do you still love the giver more than the gifts that you received? Do you still love God's presence with a C more than his presence with a T? Because when you forget your first love, your heart starts to grow cold. Yeah, you might not be weary in standing up. Yeah, you might not be weary in doing the right thing. Yeah, you might not be weary in preaching the truth, but your heart can grow cold. And 
according to this, we risk God coming and snuffing out our lampstands. Because the light that you shine has become a light shining on the blessing instead of the blesser. It's all right to talk about the blessing and honor God for the blessing, but don't forget to tell people about the blesser and who he really is. Amen. This scripture is a great warning to churches like ours. He says to all of us, hey, I love that you hate falsehood. I love that you aren't chasing the myths and the lies and the tickled ears. I love that you will not tolerate evil things and wicked people. I love that you stand up for the children. I love that you warn the sheep of the wolves. I love that you've stood firm during unbelievably fierce opposition. I love that about you in church. I love that about you too. But he's asking, do you still love me more than the mission? Do you love the one who commissioned you more than the mission that he gave you. So often churches like ours that are beacons of truth can become deserts and valleys of dry bones because we get so used to the fight that we forget to have faith. And like Abram, in his sin, they need to repent and go back to the start. And we need to be reminded sometimes to go back and do what we did at first. Remember when if God spoke to you, you'd say, yes, Lord. Yep. Remember when if God said jump, you'd be like, how high, Lord? Yep. Remember when God said give, you'd say, how much, Lord? Remember when God said stop, you'd be like, name the spot, Lord. Remember when if God said speak, you'd say, what do you want me to say, Lord? Remember the faith and the trust and the desire that you had that came from a place of intimacy with God that came from a place of knowing God, of being with God, of knowing who He is and feeling His presence, being in His presence, I should say. That faith, that trust, that, 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 that desire to honor Him, it came from loving Him, from being in His presence, from worshiping Him, from loving His house and from reading His Word and reading His Word in His house and reading His Word in your house. And when He would just talk to you and you'd be like yes Lord and you'd take a small step of faith and you'd be like oh man I love that, that, that just like my father in heaven said when I took that step of faith he did what he said he'd do and then he tells you to take another step so you take a big step of faith and you say oh just like he did last time and just like he said he would my father was there when I took the step of faith and I did what he told me to do and then you take a bigger step and one day he tells you to step where you can't even see the bottom and you take that step of faith why because you're intimate with God because you know his word because you know who he is because you know his presence because you know his heart because you spent time with him amen what happened to that relationship he wants that with you still that's not just a new Christian thing that's not just a new believer relationship that's how he wants to be with you for the rest of your life speaking to you guiding you leading you helping you loving you restoring you healing you helping you being loved by you what's the first and greatest command I know everybody reads that, and, and, and that I feel like in America today, or in, actually in Western churches in general, the only time the first and greatest command is ever read is when people want to talk about the second one. And they say, the first and greatest, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. But what they forget is, but the first one. 
right? But the first one. We have, we do, we will talk about the second one. But listen, but the first one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. Come on now. And, and, and love him and, and, and choose to be with him and to be near him and to be in his presence. Amen. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, that Abram ended up in Egypt because he saw famine. In the midst of a famine, what did he do? He looked to where the people were. He looked to where the food was. He looked to where the safety appeared to be. He looked through the eyes of man. He looked to the crowd to find his provision, to find what he needs. And as he followed the crowd, his life of faith was turned upside down and he quit his habit of building altars. He quit his habit of lifting up the name of the Lord. He quit his habit of plastering Yahweh is God everywhere. He quit the habit of inquiring of the Lord. He quit the habit of worship and he lands in atrocious sin, devastation and pain. But what I love is after he went back to the start, after he went back to do what he did, after he went back to to, to Hebron and built an altar again, he he began to do what he used to do and his perspective shifted. Even as the consequences of his sin continued to unfold and his people and Lot's people began to fight and cause strife, Abram says to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, for we are kinsmen, we are family. And he tells Lot, you take whatever land you want. Go right, I'll go left, go left, I'll go right, go up, I'll go down, go down, I'll go up. You take whatever you want, I'll have what's left. So Lot follows Abram's earlier example. Lot does what Uncle Abram did just last chapter. Lot looks to where the people are, to where the safety seems to be, to where the food seems ample, where the water's in great supply, and he follows the crowd. And in the end, it brings him nothing but devastation and pain, just like it did for Uncle Abram in Egypt. But Abram, after calling on the name of the Lord, didn't look to where the food was or where the safety seemed to be. Abram, after going back and doing what he did at the start, he didn't look for the crowds, he didn't look for the water, he didn't look for the the watered valleys, he didn't look for the fruit, he didn't look for the wisdom of man. He simply trusted that God could take care of him anywhere in this land that God called him to, that God could protect him everywhere that he calls on the name of the Lord. Amen? So listen, the starting point for all the change that you need in your life is this. Go back to your first love and do what you did at first. Go back to your first love and do what you did at first. Someone say amen. Amen. Did you know you can be a warrior and a lover of God at the same time? In a moment, we're going to have an older call and because and, 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 I literally have only one page of notes left and um, it's not so that you can go back to sleep after missing an hour last night. It's, it's not so that you can get to coffee early. Um, it's so you can have a moment with God. So we can go back and do what we used to do. So we can start new habits in our life or rekindle old habits that have died. To love God, love his presence, to lift his name up, to stay on fire, to keep calling on the name of the Lord. That will produce trust and faith. Listen, it's out of that kind of relationship that you'll be able to stand strong and honor the the rest of the call of God that's on your life. 
All the other things that God, have, that God has called you to do flow out of a great love relationship with God. All the strength that you need will flow out of being intimate with God. All the stickability and the standing firm that you need will flow out of going back and doing those things that you did at first. The call to preach the truth, the call to call out the wolves, the call to overcome sin, the call to build a family, the call even to help America, all of that is sustained by going back to that first love and loving the purpose giver more than the purpose that he gave. The blesser more than the blessing. Could someone say amen? amen? Would you all stand up with me for a moment? And again, I really want you to have a moment with God. We did not come to church today and I did not preach this message for you to be like, amen, brother, good one. Click Instagram photo, giddy up. No, put it on Instagram, go ahead, but tell people that God is moving in your life. <laughs> come on now. Here's the thing. Oh yeah, I need the band back up. There they are. All right. There's some things that the church needs to do again that we used to do. Oh, I remember the days when the church would open the altar and people would come down the front, not because their marriage was falling apart, though that's good and you should, not because they had cancer, though that's good to come down and you should, not because they had a headache and wanted healing, though that's good and you should come and ask God to heal you. But so many people used to come to the front before their marriage was broken because they came down because they felt weary. And I remember when people would come down and they would just say, I just need a fresh touch from God. I remember those days. You remember that? Oh, how I miss the days where people would just come down the front because they just wanted to be in God's presence. They just wanted to respond. They just wanted to stand with a brother or sister. They just wanted a fresh touch. And you might say, well, I can do that in the seat. Do you though? I doubt it. Sometimes, and I'm not saying that today everyone needs to come to the front and get a fresh touch. I'm just saying that I don't want to ever feel a little weary or tired and then go home after just hearing a word. I, I, I want someone to pray for me and pray with me. I want to take a step of faith and get out of my seat. And sometimes I think, I think honestly, I think the biggest part of an altar call isn't even the person coming to pray. I think it's the faith in your own heart that said, I am going to move from where I am to somewhere else and ask God to move in my heart and in my life. I talked to my staff this week in our leadership meeting. I said, I think the biggest mistake we so often make in prayer is asking people to pray for us <laughs> without praying for ourselves first. And that's why I say it's good that we'll pray for you, but I think the biggest thing that happens in your life at an altar call is that is your own faith of getting out of your seat and going down the front. And I, I, I miss weird church. You know, like talk about go and do the things we used to do. There's two things I think the church needs to do again that, that will make the church a force to be reckoned with in this ungodly and unrighteous world. Number one, I think we've got to make the church weird again. I think we should just make peace with that. Yeah. We're all like, I don't want to be weird. I don't want anyone to hear me speak in tongues or I don't want anybody to, 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 to see me get in prayer. I don't want anyone to see me all crying at the altar. I don't want to see that. And, 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 and yet the whole reason the early church grew was because of signs and wonders. 
And the whole reason it's shrinking now is because no signs and wonders. So I don't know about you, but I think the church should just get weird again. And, and if we grow because of that, awesome. And if we die because of that, well, we're going to die doing the right thing. Do you know what I mean? We're going to make the church weird again. And I, I, I miss it when people felt weary, felt broken, felt confused, whatever. And so they would come to the front and just be like, just touch me, Lord. Holy Spirit, just fall afresh on me. And Scripture even talks about being filled continually. Being filled with the Spirit of God continually. Oh, how I miss the days where people were okay with walking down the front for no other reason but to say, I just want more of God right now. The other thing I think that is a problem in American churches is life groups. I think life groups killed Bible literacy in America. I was part of it too. I think life groups made the church illiterate where instead of having pastors and people that were prepared to teach and people that were called to teach, we let any Tom, Dick and Harry give his feelings about what the scripture meant as he led a group of people astray. And I think life groups destroyed Bible literacy in America. I think that we should call them death groups because they killed the American church. And that's why we're in the hole that we're in now. And so we need to make Wednesday night church great again. And we need to bring classes back again. Where we have people who are called, not just want to. When we have people who are called and trained to teach people the Word of God and the ways of God. Amen. And that's why in our new building that we're building out the front here, that the plan has been to break ground either sometime this year, but if we don't get the permits and everything finished in time, well, it's winter, so then spring next year. But that's all right. Then it'll be done about 12 months later, so we'll still hit our timeline. But um, the plan with that, we're building 40,000 square feet, 35 to 40,000 square feet out there. And there will be enough space for us to run on Wednesday night while your kids of all ages are in kids' church or youth group. There will be enough space for us to still run between 8 and 15 different classes for adults in there. So we can teach you the Word of God. Not just some punk that just loves to have power over people but people who are trained and equipped to share the Word of God. And we will have things from a study of the book of Revelation to a study of end times, a a study of Daniel, or a study of the prison epistles, the, the books that Paul wrote in prison, to a study of the Gospels, to a study of the Old Testament, to a study on biblical finances, to a study on biblical parenting. Come on now, about people who are trained and called by God. We're going to replace death groups with classes. We killed death groups ages ago because about a few years ago, I was like, these are stupid. These are dumb. These are ungodly. We're not going to do this anymore. Amen. So what am I saying? We're going to go back to what we used to do. And part of that is listen to me. Be passionate about the presence of God again. Be passionate about responding to God again. When your heart is broke, 
and your spirit is weary, come and ask God for a fresh touch like we used to. Amen. And so right now, I'm just going to open the front right now for people to come down the front and we're going to pray for you. So just walk on down the front. Just walk on down the front. Just walk on down the front. You're just, you're just saying, you know what? I'm a little tired. I'm a little weary. Or you might just be saying, I just want more, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on down and sing with us for a moment. Hallelujah. Ask your spouse, how are you feeling? How's your soul, darling? Ask your husband, ask your wife, how's your soul? Are you weary? How do you feel? You want to come down the front with me and worship God together and ask for a fresh touch from heaven today? Come on, here and in Audubon, come on down the front. Lord, touch me again. Lord, touch my heart. Lord, refresh my soul. Hallelujah. what I want to do now. I want to pray for you down the front. I'm just going to pray for a fresh touch again. Refresh your heart. It's hard. Things are hard. And hey, everybody out there, I love you. But now I want you to help me. Because that's what brothers and sisters do, right? And so now you're not going to leave it to me. So when I pray, you're going to be praying for them. Right where you are, you're going to be praying for them. You may reach out your hands in faith and pray for them. You may just be agreeing with me, but you'll pray for them. Remember when we cared about our brothers and sisters in Christ? Enough that we weren't like, oh, but the coffee machine. No, no, we would stay a little longer to pray. Even if we weren't scheduled to come down the front and pray. Even if we weren't the ones scheduled to throw the modesty cloth over our brothers and sisters in Christ. But we'd still pray. We didn't need credit. We didn't have to come down and be like, in the name of... No, we could just pray because we loved our brother and we loved our sister. So we stuck around in this atmosphere of faith, believing that my, my friends down here are going to get a miracle. They're going to walk out on fire again. They're going to have the strength they need to quit their job. They're going to have the strength they need to get a new job. They're going to have the strength they need to stand firm in a crazy job. Come on now, like remember when we did that for each other? We weren't desperate for lattes. Listen, I love fancy churches. I love this thing. This thing's awesome. Yo, do what you did. It's right there. I love it. I like these lights. A little hot. 
Get a bit fried up here, but I like the lights. I like these nice seats with the cup holders for your latte. That's awesome. I love what we're building out there. It's going to be fancy. It's going to be nice. But let's stay scrappy. Let's not get so fancy that we can't be scrappy anymore. Let's, get, let's not get so fancy that we can't stick around a little longer. Let's not get so rigid that church can't go overtime all the time. <clears throat> Come on, you hear what I'm saying? Oh, you got a latte to get? Oh, you got a lunch to get to? Can't you wait five minutes and pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not the only one with a job to do today. I'm not the only one with some purpose in the room today. It's not just me and them with purpose today. Oh, you got purpose. Somebody's like, why am I getting drilled right now? I'm here to pray. Good, then let's pray. Come on now. I'm, I'm telling you right now, the Holy Ghost is going to touch your heart. He's going to touch your heart. And I want to tell you, God is so proud of you being willing to just stand firm. Because there's so much pressure in your world to just... You know, like, I see your patient endurance. I see you don't tolerate that. I see you don't bend over to that. I see you don't lean this way or that. I see you just stand firm. He sees you and he's really proud of you. I just felt you need to know that. Not that you don't need that from me or anyone else here, but you need to know that he is so proud of you. And obviously I know stuff that's going on, but I'm telling you, knowing that, I know God and I know he's proud of you. Amen. Just awesome. Awesome. But it's tiring. It's tiring. And so we're just praying for a fresh touch right now. And you're going to get it. Do you believe that? That when we ask God for a good thing, that he will give it. Amen. Well, I want a fresh touch from heaven. That's a good thing. I want to be filled continually. That's a good thing. So lift up your hands and let's pray. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person down here saying, I will not go home weary. I will not go home dry. I will not go home broken. I will not go home wondering. I will go home filled. I will go home full. I will go home overflowing. I will go home on fire again. I will go home empowered. I will go home prepared to continue to stand firm and to stand up and to stick around and to do the right thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home full of the power of God in Jesus' name. And so right now, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would fall afresh and you would touch every heart that every weary heart, every broken heart, every heart that's broken because of the pressures of the world, that you would refresh those hearts, refill those souls in Jesus' name. Lord God, in every heart that's broken because of sin or bad habits in their own lives, God, I thank you that they are willing to come to the front and repent, that they are willing to come to the front and humble themselves and say, I done messed up. But Lord, help me do better tomorrow. And God, I pray that you would honor that, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, not just by their striving, not just by their work, but Lord God, by your work, partnering with their faith and their desire to honor you, that God, you would give them the strength to do better today and tomorrow in Jesus' name. And that Lord God, that Lord God, you would heal the brokenness, the bitterness, Come on, someone sing it again. Come on, my soul. Oh, 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, can someone give the Lord some praise? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It gets better. Amen. Keep doing this. Your marriage is going to be a blessing to hundreds of people. There's a story coming up. There's a story coming up. I'm not saying that they're down here because of marital drama. That's not what I'm saying. I don't know. I'm just saying that your marriage is going to be a story that inspires hundreds of people to stand firm, to stay the course, and to stick together. It's going to happen. Amen. Awesome. I just, I just pray that if there is any stuff, that bigger than the stuff would be the love and the commitment to each other just the romance and the intimacy. I just pray would just be mind-blowing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hey, you know what? Do this again next weekend if you're dry. Oh, I don't want to be the person who goes down every week. I don't want to be the person who doesn't go down when I'm weak. <laughs> right? Come on now. Oh, what about them? Their day will come. When they feel dry and exhausted and will need a fresh touch from heaven in an atmosphere of faith like this where believers are together rejoicing and praising God and lifting up His name and seeking His face, they'll need it too. So if you're tired next week, come down. Or if you're just like, I want to leave stronger than I came, come down. Come on, just keep doing what we used to do. Let's make church weird again. And let's make classes great again where people who are actually trained and actually know God talk about Him and teach you the right things. Amen. And we run some classes here now and they're pretty good. But I'm telling you right now, it's going to a whole nother level. We're already talking to people that we're going to need to teach and run classes in, in 18 months to 24 months. Now what that means is that we're not just guessing. We're already working on making sure we have the right people teaching the right things to the God's people, amen? 
Amen. So God bless you. Pastor. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Eternity Church. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.